Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Well, what places have you visited lately through reading a good book? Well, Dr. Seuss, who's one of my favorite philosophers, says, the more that you read, the more things you will know. The more that you learn, the more places you'll go. Well, today, my co-host in crime, Patty Wyatt, is off in distant places speaking, but the show must go on. And so joining me today are two authors who are amazing storytellers, leaders, and world travelers who will be taking us places. So I want you to buckle up because it's going to be a fun ride. Well, as we prepare for our great adventure, I want to remind you that you are listening to Girlfriend at Radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships. And we're going to have more information about today's show and other tips and tricks on our website at GirlfriendIt.com. And you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Well, as you know, we love a good question, and I already kind of asked you a question, but here's another one. What if you could, dot, 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 get all your work done by 6 p.m., eat dinner with your family every night, form deep, satisfying relationships, naturally blend the world of church with your everyday life, Spend hours a week on your hobbies. Well, it almost seems impossible as I'm reading that. I'm a little overwhelmed. But the correct answer is yes, you can. And in just a moment, we are going to learn how. Well, with our guest today, this promises to be an exciting show filled with some great stories and some practical tips. And of course, there's always girlfriend fun. So I'm excited to, to just jump right into the show and introduce my first guest, who really is not only a remarkable woman, but she has become somebody that's a really a special friend. She is an author a pastor's wife, and an advocate for befriending your neighbors and creating community. Of course, I'm talking about Roseanne Frazee, who has been on the journey to real simplicity for 29 years with her husband, Randy Frazee. She has been a pastor's wife for 20 of those years, and she is the mother to four grown children and has one granddaughter. But Roseanne loves running, reading, cooking, interpreting for the deaf at her church, spending time with her family and friends, playing with her granddaughter, which I totally get that, and mostly spending time with her husband and best friend, Randy. Well, Randy is the senior pastor at Oak Hills Church in San Antonio, Texas, just a small church that you may have heard of, where Randy teaches and he leads in a partnership with pastor and author Max Lucado. While an emerging leader and innovator in spiritual formation and biblical community, Randy is also the architect of the story, um, the church engagement campaign, which our church um, happens to currently be in Involved. And we're going to talk about that in the next segment because that is a phenomenal, um, I, I don't know, like a campaign program, whatever. But I, first of all, I want to welcome you, my friend, to Girlfriended. How are you? I'm great, Lisa. It's so good to be with you again. I know. I've been so excited to talk to you. And um, we actually were having, Cal and I were having a dinner conversation with you and Randy. And we were talking about personalities and how that affects. And we discovered kind of that 
Randy and I have more of the same temperament and you and Cal had kind of the more um, same temperament. And we were also talking about like simplifying your life because I'm trying to find like a sustainable rhythm to my life. And then you guys mentioned this book, Real Simplicity, and you just, you had me with that. So it's like, I'm so excited to talk a little bit more about that and, um, and answer some of those, what if you could questions that I read earlier, because they do seem like impossible, but mm-hmm. you've really has broken it down where it can be, um, attainable and, and not only that, but sustainable. So I want you to go ahead and just break it down for us. Okay. So real simplicity is all of that possible. It is possible, but I will tell you that for uh, Randy and I, this happened in our life out of crisis, and Real Simplicity is an effort to help people do this without hitting that wall or hitting that crisis in your life where you don't really have a choice because it is such a desirable uh, way of living and um, really what we were created for. God created us for relationships, and yet uh, in America, we uh, run faster than we can uh, keep up with, actually. Uh, all the new gadgets out there, we want new gadgets. We want new things. We, and in America, we have a, a paradigm that says success is defined by our next purchase, the next, mm. our next house, our next appliance, our next boat. And all of these things tend to come with manuals. And mm-hmm. things that we have to clean and take care Which of. I don't read. I don't like to read them. No. I want the quick version of it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the quickie. Let me figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, and so Americans define success by our next purchase. And um, the, who can run the fastest? And I can tell you in other countries, particularly Mediterranean countries, that is not the case. Success is defined by an evening meal with family and friends and wasting the evening away and basing it on relationships rather than things. You know, you are so right on that because we don't value the relationships. We are so quick to get up and rush out the door. Right. And we, we desire the relationships, but we can't seem to get there. And I think in America, most people want to take their busy lifestyle and add real simplicity uh, concepts to that already too busy lifestyle. And that's not what real simplicity is about. It's a paradigm shift. It's a change in thinking. It's a way of life. And you have to want it passionately and um, take some uh, conscious steps towards that. Not all at once, but take some conscious steps towards that um, in your life to change it. And for Randy and I, it was basically uh, three things. First of all, we had to live within boundaries, and we felt like they were the boundaries that God had created. So we call it the Hebrew Day Planner. And the Hebrew Day Planner basically is from 6 p.m. in the evening till 10 p.m. at night, you don't work anymore. Um, And putting your work down is harder than it sounds, (laughs) especially Mm -hmm. if you're Mm -hmm. a mom at home where your work is staring you in the face, right? Yeah, yeah. And Absolutely. so you put that down, that, if you notice, is also the dinner hour. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the evening for the Hebrew started at 6 p.m. That's why we call it the Hebrew Day Planner. Mm. And so from 6 to 10, they started dinner, and the rest of the evening was um, given to the relationships and being together. And we find that truly desirable. And then from 10 to 6, you sleep regularly 
And um, I don't know if you know this or not, but over half of Americans have some sort of sleep disorder, some sort of insomnia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, quite a few of them are chronic where they're not sleeping. And for us, that was our wall. My husband quit sleeping uh, for 45 days. Not at all. He couldn't sleep. And mm. so that was our wall, and that was our crisis. And I was battling major depression. Wow. So we had to make a change. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So the Hebrew Day Planner is big, and then from 6 o'clock to 6 p.m., man, you go at it. You get the work done, and you be productive. But at 6 o'clock, you put it down every evening. And for um, for God, even in Genesis, he said there was evening and morning the first day. He puts evening first. Whatever's mm. first, the first fruit, the, the evening is first. Whatever's first in the Hebrew culture uh, is the most important. So we okay, I that. have never heard that. That is an interesting. That is an interesting concept, and that is yeah. really one that can really flip your paradigm when you really absolutely. Okay, and but I have to interrupt you really quick because yeah. on, I love this concept because I, I I'm one that needs that framework. But what if you are really? I am not a morning person. I am more a nighttime. So I can get my energy like at eight or nine at night and get going. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you say to somebody like me that's dysfunctional with that? Well, I think that, you know, Jesus gave us a model where um, the, the Sabbath was created for man, not man for, or man, the Sabbath was created for man, not man for the Sabbath. So we mm-hmm. have to take it and we have to figure out what that means for our personal lives. For mm-hmm. Randy and I, it starts at 6 p.m. in the evening. But for other people, let's say a nurse who works third shift, she's got to find a different paradigm shift. Maybe it's the breakfast hour with her family. Mm-hmm. So it's not wrong to change it. It's just your body has a duty cycle. You need time off. And if you don't get it, you're, you will suffer physically, emotionally, and then sometimes spiritually even because your relationship with God is not, you don't have time for that. Mm-hmm. So there's got to be a season in your day and, is, and especially in your week where you um, just take some time for relationships and for rest. Does that make sense? That is such a great reminder. (laughs) And to really, because you have to be intentional with that. That just doesn't naturally happen in our lives. Not in America. It does not. You're right. You're so right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Um, I want to talk a little bit. We only have two minutes, believe it or not, to the commercial break. I know this is so, okay. So, how, okay, give us a tip, like, okay, so, like, personalities, rhythms of life, what you're doing, like, to changing, like, did you, like, um, eliminate something in your life to make this happen? We did. Randy and I found that we had um, linear relationships, meaning that we were driving to these relationships, and nobody in each of these relational circles, like church, uh, work, um, family, uh, extended family, uh, neighbors, um, all these people did not necessarily know both of us or didn't know our children well. And so what we did was we traded our linear relationships where we were driving in the car for a circle of relationships. And it has totally changed our lives. And for us, we have found that circle of close relationships where we have spontaneity and frequency of seeing them uh, in our neighborhood. Wow. Wow. Okay, keep talking because that's very the linear. Um, so, did for, for you? Did that look like? Because it's painful. Like I, I'm very relational wired, but I know that I need to spend more time, in, in, you know, with certain relationships. But you also find, especially as a pastor's wife, it's really hard 
to right. um, stay connected. And I used to think that once I had a, a friend, I had to stay with them for life. And you realize there are seasons of friendships, but um, in 30 seconds, basically, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, what, what, did, what was the thing that, that, how did that look like for you? I mean, did you, was that painful? Um, it, it wasn't, it was painful in that I didn't, I was already in pain because I wasn't seeing my friends as often as I wanted to. Mm -hmm. And we call it uh, crowded loneliness. In real simplicity, um, you, there's people all around you all the time, but there's no depth of relationships. So what I was really longing for was a depth of relationship that I wasn't getting because I was not seeing my friends uh, often enough. They didn't know my kids. They didn't know my husband. And uh, when that happens, you have a community, a true community. And, Roseanne, um, we're going to have to stop right there. We're going to come okay. back and keep talking about that. We'll be right that back. Sounds great, Lisa. This is Girlfriended on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. As a member of the baby boomer generation, you want insights and ideas that factor into planning for, making choices about, and activating your new or mothballed dreams. As a boomer, you can learn how to act on your visions by tuning into the Awakening to Awareness show on Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern. If you are inspired to follow your own path, Step into new directions and are excited about what you as a recent or soon-to-be retiree can do with your life. This is your show. Listen to the show that focuses on self-belief and possibilities for emerging seniors who look forward to life's third act with dread or amazing promise. Host Eric Tonigson and his guests share entertaining ideas and explore strategies to reignite your passions and shift your intentions into action. In his naturally curious and motivating ways, Eric explores personal values, shares wisdom, and encourages you to unlock and live your potential and purpose. Join Eric and his Awakening to Awareness show on Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern on the TogiNet. Talk Radio Network. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. 
Welcome back. Well, I'm sitting here with my coffee in hand. My it really, it's like a hot milkshake. It's all these flavors. And I continue my conversation and girlfriend chat with Roseanne Frazee, author of Real Simplicity, an advocate of the story, which her husband, Randy Frazee, is the architect. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But um, uh, Roseanne, I rudely interrupted you to take a commercial break when you're right in the middle of we're talking about real simplicity and kind of a paradigm shift in your life to get a sustainable rhythm. And you were talking about linear relationships and how do you create that lifestyle with that circle of friends and creating that community? Because I know that is such your heartbeat. Why don't you just finish your thought on that about really creating that community in your neighborhood and, and just in your life? Well, I think I was saying that we traded our linear relationships, the the relationships that we were driving across town to, like our church-sponsored small group, for a group that we developed in our neighborhood, right in our neighborhood, with Christians who don't necessarily go to the same church as us, but they go they go to church. They have a spiritual component. And it, it has totally transformed our lives because we say we've traded our linear relationships for a circle of relationships that go deeper because we see them more frequently and, and it's more spontaneous. And we can get together with them on a whim, whereas with our church-sponsored small group across town, we were having to schedule it. And mm-hmm. most of the time, we couldn't get our schedules lined up. It was very frustrating. So now I see these people at the mailbox. I run into them at the grocery store, and they know my kids. They know me. They know my husband. They know all of us, and they see our family dynamic. For some people, that might be uncomfortable now that yeah. I think about it. But, <laughs> but for you us, really have to behave in your neighborhood when you do that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, though? It's nice in the neighborhood. You can be yourself. You really yes. can. Yes. Well, you know, and you make a good point because we, I think in America, like you've alluded to, like when you travel other places, we have like a phobia almost of going deeper in relationships. And we do like to keep them shallow. We do. I like that concept linear. Um, We keep them kind of linear and straight without going deeper. So that is such a great challenge to like, okay, just do life in a little deeper with people more consistently and around you. And what a difference that does make. And you don't have to give up your other friends, Lisa. No, no, but, really. but, but, but just bring in a few and just do it right around you. Because we overlook the obvious people in our lives right around us. We do. And you're parking your car, so there's more time to sit on your front porch. This is what I was talking about. Americans want to add real simplicity to their lives, and that is not going to be a possibility. We've got to change the, what we're doing and how we're living. So real simplicity is not a concept. It's not a program that you add to your life. It's a way of life in and of itself. And it takes about two years before you really are feeling the blood pressure go down and enjoying life more, but it does happen and it's so worth it, but you've got to want it passionately. And those are all such great points. And because we we're such into instant gratification, we want to start it today and see the results tomorrow. You know, I, yes, I hear yeah. you, and I'm still <laughs> like that. I still like that. <laughs> yeah, so it, that's hard. Well, okay, with the little time we have left, I want to transition into the story because oh. that is a book um, that is really sweeping churches and really um, captivating people. I know that's true here for us at, at our church at Central Christian in Arizona, and we are just seeing just people engage in the Bible in ways that they haven't before and, and just even hungering because really what the story does is it allows the stories and the poems and the teachings of the other Bible to read like a novel. So I want you, because I know you and Randy, you, you go on a tour every year with the story. You're in churches. You're constantly interacting with people. There's even music that goes along with it. And um, I know we've already given out like 
25,000 copies of this wow. book. So yeah, so I mean, it's really, people are grabbing it and sharing it with people. And that's, that's the beauty of it where they're, you know, they're telling the story and, um, which is what we, we all need to be doing is telling the, telling the story of the greatest story. So give us some inside scoop and the inside story on, on really the, the story. Well, the story is, as you said, an abridged chronology of the Bible. And when you read the story through, it's all of the individual stories that you've known for years, or maybe you haven't, um, but they are put in chronological order. And as you read them that way, you, you begin to learn that God has an upper story going on. And the overarching story of his is that he created us, he loved us, and he wanted to be with us. He came down with Adam and Eve in the garden to be with them. But Adam and Eve decided, we decided as the human race that we didn't want that plan. We wanted to live our own way. So they took the forbidden fruit and the rest is history. They're out of the garden and fellowship is broken. However, the rest of the story, if you read it through to Revelation, is the story, the love story. And God is trying to get us back in relationship with him. And he's relentless at it. And it's just beautiful. And as you see, all of the individual stories in the Bible, all the characters in the Bible, you see how each story uh, it unfolds, but it's there's a lot of lower story stuff going on past the mashed potatoes. We, uh, you know, marry so-and-so. We have these children. But what happens is that um, it's all, every story lines up to uh, further success, succeed God's upper story until we get to Revelation and realize the story isn't over yet and that we are characters in God's story. We just have to choose, do we want to be a protagonist or an antagonist? Mm. Because either wow. one that we choose, God will use. Mm-hmm. Just like Paul, he was he chose to persecute the church. I'm sorry, Saul, before his name was Paul. Mm-hmm. He chose to persecute the church, thinking he was going to stamp out these Christians and get rid of them. Well, what happened was it caused the Christians to go underground and to flee, and it spread the gospel rather than shutting it down. And that was God's plan. And later, Paul is used after his conversion, to um, further the gospel by taking it to the Gentiles, which is all of us who are not Jewish. Mm-hmm. So very grateful. And through these uh, characters, me personally, I've learned that um, everyone can be used by God, no matter how, what our background or what our history is. When I look at um, Rahab the harlot and uh, who, you know, made mistakes with her life, and yet she was uh, mentioned in the lineage of Jesus and Tamar and uh, even Mary, whose story is fraught with scandal. She Mm -hmm. is, uh, you know, a pillar in Jesus coming to earth as our Savior. Every story in the Old Testament points to the, the first coming of Jesus, and every story in the New Testament points to the second coming of Jesus. Mm. You know, it's, it's so fascinating. I know when I first heard that concept of upper story and lower story that you guys talk about, mm-hmm. it, that really is such a great distinction because we, we don't really think of the upper story and that it really is a love story of God pursuing us. Because a lot of times, you know, people will start to read the Bible and you get, you get stuck in like about the third book of the Old Testament. And it's a lot of yes. laws and killings and, you know, stuff you go, what? 
yes. And you're like, yes. And numbers. And you're like, okay, I, I'm not really getting this. And you, we miss the point that Absolutely. it really is a love story. And I'm fascinated because I love history and um, just seeing how God truly has worked through history and through ordinary people and through scandalous people and through people that don't even believe in him. And yet they didn't realize they were carriers for him. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the beauty of the story uh, church campaign is that the whole church is going through it together. So when you get in the car with your kids on the way home from church and you ask, what did you learn in Bible church today? What do the kids usually say? Nothing. Mm -hmm. We talked about Jesus. Well, now as a parent, you get in the car with, you know exactly what your children have studied because they're doing, they're, they're reading and talking about the same stories you've just heard in the sermon and discussed in your small group or your Sunday school class. I got to tell you, um, our grandkids go, and it's so fun because a lot of times I'll go see them right afterwards, and, and I'll ask them, so what did you learn? And it's like, and, you know, we just learned about Abraham or something, and they're telling me the story. And it's mm-hmm. so fun because, like you said, we just heard it. They're hearing it. And so we're all having the same conversation and talking about it, and it, it makes it really fun. It makes it come alive, and even for the kids. Absolutely, absolutely, and it's giving parents the opportunity to be the the primary disciplers of their children, which is so cool because a lot of people who don't know the Bible well, and um, myself included, are a little intimidated by that daunting task of discipling Mm -hmm. our kids. And Mm -hmm. the story, they come home with um, some confidence that they can actually ask their child, so what did you think about Joseph telling his brother his dreams? You can be more specific because you know that's what they've talked about today. And there are materials to lead you through that, which is awesome. Well, I got to say, it's, it's, it's such a powerful, powerful campaign on so many levels. And we only have like a couple minutes. So keep going oh, no. and, get, and tell, I want to make sure people know how to find you guys and how oh, to find absolutely. more information about the story. I want to make sure I get, we get that in. Okay. Um, if you want to follow us on Twitter, the, um, the Twitter for the story is at the story lives. And that is kept up by Zondervan, who published the story and all the other tools that go with it. Uh, Randy's Twitter is at Randy Frazee. And mine is at Roseanne Frazee. So we got that out of the way. Good, 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 good. Okay. Um, but the other thing is the story, the big aha for Randy and I is we knew that people who were Christians would really want to do this because it deepens your relationship with God. And we had no doubt that that would happen. And God has told us when you put out, his, when his word goes out, it will not return empty in Isaiah. And that has been so true. But what we didn't see in the big aha for us was that it is, been such a great outreach. There have been 6,000 churches who've gone through the story now and are going through the story. And we have seen time after time, our church and all these other churches, the attendance just skyrockets because people, as it turns out, who don't go to church on a regular basis still have a reading through the Bible on their bucket list. They want, it's something that they want to do. And that's been the big aha for us. George Gallup says in America, we uh, revere the Bible, but we don't read it. And we don't read it because it's hard to get through. The Mm -hmm. story makes that attainable. 
And you're so right. And stories are powerful. They're life-changing. And once we can just really see it as the greatest love story and an amazing story and a bunch of stories and see how our story really does fit in the upper story. Well, thank you, my friend, for joining us. Oh, I, I just have loved our time. We're going to do it again. We're going we're gonna to take a quick break. And when we return, we're going to be talking about some scandalous women and walk away with some life lessons. We'll be right back. This is Girlfriend on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90 plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a -a one-of-a-kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Are you looking for something more in your life or business? More success? More stability? More happiness? It's all out there waiting for you, but it doesn't just happen. You've got to go get it. Make it happen with Michelle McCullough, where motivation and strategy intersect. Michelle is a serial entrepreneur, acclaimed speaker, and the WooHoo Radio Network's resident business and success strategist. Michelle has the smarts, strategies, and experience to help you improve your life and take your business to the next level. You've got big dreams. You've got big vision. Now it's time for you to make it happen. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, joining me now is Carol Cook, author of Bathsheba, Bathed in Grace, How Eight Scandalous Women Changed the World. I can't wait to talk more about this. Well, Carol takes us on a journey back in time to walk in the footsteps of eight remarkable and exceptional women of the Bible. Faced with seemingly impossible situations, we watch them find courage, wisdom, and grace through prayer and faith. Carol loves to write teach, and mentor women. Her warmth, enthusiasm, and unique insight into the dynamics of biblical women and the profound application of those tales to the lives of contemporary women have made her made her a remembered experience. I like that term. Well, look at any Christian bookstore and you will find a myriad of books on women of the Bible, but none that puts flesh and bones to the poetic retelling of courageous yet riveting tales like Carol does. These ancient stories will be the very source of inspiration for you to courageously overcome your fears and temptations through faith and grace as they've been for Carol over the years. Well, Carol, I want to welcome you to the show today. Thank you. Well, I am really excited, and um, I love the title because it really does grab you. And it's, it's interesting because I was just talking with um, Roseanne Frazee, and she mentioned some of the women, and she gave you a great segue into it, which she talked about the scandalous women of the Bible because we're talking about stories and talking about the book, The Story. And so we kind of set this up because we're ready to hear more stories. And um, 
And, and I want to first ask you, because you, um, you, you said, I sought many cures for what ailed me, all the while struggling with long-held issues of unforgiveness, perfection, control, unrealistic expectation, and simply feeling invisible most of the time. You, you've really, you put to words there a lot of what women feel but don't really articulate and particularly out loud. So can, can you talk about that season of life when you became an empty nester and how that really has shaped kind of the, the trajectory of your life? Yes, I'd love to, to speak to that. Um, as I said, with, the, with being an empty nester and then coming face-to-face with feeling very invisible because the kids were gone, my husband was very married to his uh, career and very successful at that. And through um, charities and doing work outside myself, getting outside the home every day and looking around, my heart just went to several charities, and I found that by giving that I could find my new identity, and it wasn't all about me. Mm. And then I started mentoring young women in my home, and through that came many different Bible studies, but at last one that, that I decided to write and started with the women of the Bible. And I wasn't comfortable with the Old Testament. I had a fear of the God of judgment. And so I just loved the grace of the New Testament. So first I wrote about the the New Testament women and, and teaching the young women about them and their issues. And then my husband is a scholar of the Old Testament and just loves it. And I said to him, I'm going to have to go back and write about the Old Testament women, right? <laughs> and he shook his head yes. And through that, that is where I discovered all the issues that women face today. It's not new. Right. Over 6,000 years ago, these women had issues of being uh, a victim of control and feeling invisible and favoring one child over another and these bitterness and unforgiveness and uh, unrealistic expectations. And as I wrote about each one, I could find something in their story that resonated with me during different seasons of my life. And it just opened up, um, first of all, now my love for the Old Testament and these women. And normally you ask someone your favorite Bible stories or characters, and you hear about Jonah and Noah and Abraham. But not too much where they say, you know, Esther or Ruth. And so I decided many of these women were um, unchurched. And I decided to teach them about the women. And through the women's stories, of course, the men's story is going to come through. Mm -hmm. So that is my journey of, of how I came to this. And I realized I had written about 24 women in a monologue style, and my husband said, you should just put it in print. And I had no idea that you can't, you don't just publish monologues. And that journey took me another year writing in a script style, like a movie script, and Mm. I could only get eight done. So I decided, I think it's going to be a trilogy. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) You know, I so appreciate that because a lot of times when we read, um, 
specifically the Bible, when you read these people of the Bible, and especially when you, like you said, the Old Testament, which can be intimidating, and it seems so long ago, and you tend to kind of categorize, well, these were just characters, and you don't even really see them as real flesh and blood, but when you make these, especially these women come alive, like you said, we all have issues, and things, you know, things really haven't changed much. We still, the the circumstances and the life experiences around them, but still at the core of our being, we want to be loved and we want to give love. And um, we're just searching for that, for that meaning. And we want to know that our life has purpose and it, and it really does matter. And that is the core. And from that, you just see all these other things that kind of emerge from that. But okay, to get really inside these women, to make them like come alive where we go, yes, these, this was like a woman I would have interacted with at the mailbox or, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, on the corner. How did you kind of like get into character, like to make that woman your friend? Well, I searched for a, a picture or a photo on the internet of what I thought Eve or Rachel might look like. And I printed it out in a big eight by 10 color. And I put it by my computer so that I'd see that every day. And then I'd take a walk or I'd get in character, maybe dressing the part, a scarf around my head. And I would walk around saying, Ruth, what did that feel like? What, what did you think? What did you say? And, you know, the Lord just would take me into that time and space and Although it is uh, biblical fiction, I didn't stray ever from from the scripture, but just ad living what today I might feel like if I were in the circumstances that these women were, and so that brought me to then when I led the Bible study of these twenty four women for one year. Each week I dressed the part and decorated a corner in my family room. To that setting, so that uh, it could really come to come to life, and um, it was amazing how the the women's story spoke to the women, mm-hmm. and how it was very life changing, and and that's when I thought I need to put this in print so it can help other women. I I think that as women, society makes us or encourages us to put on a mask. And the best thing that we can do is be open and honest with someone and say, I'm really struggling with an issue of control with my husband or I'm feeling very invisible. Mm -hmm. Because certainly I had felt that many times in my life. I, today's my birthday. I'm 69. Oh, happy, oh well, we're throwing, I'll throw a party for you, okay? A virtual party thank here. You. How fun. Thank you. So, but living that many decades and going through so many different seasons of my life, I had realized the times that I had felt invisible and what I did. Mm. So I walk into a room and maybe I don't know anybody there and I just think, oh, I'm going to leave. No one would notice if I'm not even here or I'm dressed all wrong. And then it's like, oh, my goodness, how could I have been so foolish and not planned ahead or or known this? Many reasons we feel invisible, and it can happen at home as well. But when we open up to a girlfriend and say, I'm feeling so 
lost and invisible today. You have no idea how that person can can relate and mm-hmm. say, "Oh, that reminds me of this and that," and and give us encouraging words. So, absolutely, and we, and you know, and, and it, like you, um, you kind of talk about. There's a story we each tell ourselves in our head, you know, yep. and in our heart, and and it's generally not very good and kind to ourselves, the story we tell ourselves a lot of times. And, yeah. and it is so true. And it's like, sometimes we have to get that out and just to tell another girlfriend, Hey, here's where I'm at today. I'm not doing real great. And exactly. let them say even me too. And you go, okay, I'm not alone. Yeah. Cause so many times we suffer in silence and we think we're the only one that's dealing with this or feeling this. And even in those transitions of life, like you alluded to like that becoming an empty nester, that's a major transition or a transition through a loss, a loss of a relationship, a yeah. loss of a job, a loss of status mm-hmm. or whatever, those transition times can be, um, you can feel very invisible. I like that term. Um, and so it's like, what do you do with that? And um, I, do, I do appreciate that you went into these women in the next segment. I really want to talk about some of these women and what you learned from them um, okay. and, their, and their stories because I think they're profound and powerful. But we just have like two minutes until we take a, a break. But um, just kind of keep this you know, about how did you start changing the story inside you during this time and start really getting to know other women and letting other women in? Because that's very intimidating. Well, first of all, I confessed. Mm. I would say, oh, my goodness, I so related to Sarah because of her control issues and how she ran ahead of the Lord. And I see in my marriage that I am wearing the pants. Mm. And my husband is to be a covering over me, and I've been stepping outside that, and I'm so convicted, and then talking about ways that I could step back under his umbrella and let him be the man that God created him to be, and not, I, I found that my control issues were from fear, that if I didn't run ahead and plan everything out, that a surprise might happen, and I'd be embarrassed, and I wouldn't want to, to ever be embarrassed. So uh, through all of the different emotions that I had felt, these women brought that to light. And I could see how in the end, perhaps they turned back to God and confessed, owning these, these wrong issues and, and having healing. Because certainly we have all these wounds and, and, and they're not all healed at once. So I think owning them and confessing that brings us to to the place where we need to be and certainly we have the self-doubts and those negative thought drops that that come in every day but we have the power and the victory over that Mm. I, I like that because I think a lot of it is becoming aware uh, of really what's going on and getting and you know stripping back stuff and go here's the core issue like you said it's control and why do I feel like I have to control? Well, there's some fears there. And so when you start becoming aware, and then like you said, talking about it with other women and, mm-hmm. and just, we learn so much from each other and hearing each yeah. other's stories. Well, Carol, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to learn more from these eight scandalous women and their powerful stories. We'll be right back. Thank you. This is Girlfriend on Toginap. 
Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Familia, faith, identity, tradición. Latina life is never boring, but it can be muy dramática. So how do you coexist between the old school ways of la abuela and the new school life you're creating for yourself without losing your faith, familia, identity, or tradiciones? Welcome to Living Latina with Francesca Escoto, where culture curls and curves collide in one spicy cross-cultural conversation that will leave you begging for mas. Francesca tackles all the important issues, from politics to family values, to religion to, you guessed it, relationships and men. As Chief Everything Officer at the WOW Factor, Francesca is passionate about showing women of all cultures, ages, and lifestyles how to rock what they've got with style, sass, and smarts. Be sure to join her every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time for Living Latina, only on the WooHoo Radio Network. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, I love reading historical novels, and Bathsheba, Babe, and Grace melds biblical history with steamy romance, intrigue, and high drama. And our conversation today has been about stories, about God's story, about stories of women, of the Bible, and, and even our own stories. And I'm continuing my conversation with the author of the book, Bathsheba, Babe, and Grace, Carol Cook. And Carol, you said, it is my hope that this book will help any woman who feels trapped in the circumstances of her own story to move ahead and leave behind the the baggage of the past. I just want you to talk because you you really you've identified eight women of the Bible, significant women who have scandalous stories. And a lot of times we feel like we have to arrive and be perfect before God can use us. And these women are just such great living examples how God uses any story, uses all of our stories for his purposes. Just share with us some of the things that you learn from these women and their stories. Well, since I found that I, there was part of my story in each of these women's story, it caused me to know that in order to read about the future, we don't have to look to People Magazine or Style or, mm. or what's, what's What and Who's Who, but we can look back 
and see all of these same issues from these women of the past and see how they resolved it and that there's nothing new, as Solomon said, under the sun. And I was really impressed about Tamar, who had a scandalous story about posing mm. as a prostitute for yeah. her father-in-law Judah in this whole story. And, and, and to me, it related to skeletons in the closet, mm. things that we've done in our life that are shameful and we think unforgivable. So we just kind of leave them in the past and, and stuff them in the closet. And after reading her whole story, I saw that that she felt if she brings things out into the light and shines the light on them, they're not nearly as big and dark and scary as they were when they were hidden deep in the closet. So I think that will set us free from things that we think are unforgivable or or too shameful to talk about. And you know, when we hide those things, we give them more power. It's worse. It's worse. And they don't have as much power as we think they do. That's right. And and you can be set free Mm -hmm. by addressing those things and and bringing them out to shine the light of God's love on them. Mm -hmm. And then, oh, Eve. And Mm -hmm. I'm so wrapped up in Eve's story. I think that her role of perfection, this woman had everything you can imagine and more, but it wasn't enough. Mm. The one thing that she couldn't have, she wanted. And how Mm. is that like us today? We may have fame. We may have wealth. We may have a wonderful family. We may have a, a beautiful job or something that thrills our heart. But there's always just a little bit more. And women really buy into perfection. And certainly our our media tells us that we're not perfect unless we're Botoxed and... <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> and dieted yes. up and plastic surgery and all for perfection. But that's, that's really a myth because in that perfection, we're not who we were created to be. Mm-hmm. And when we make peace with ourselves and say, I'm enough, I'm not perfect, but I'm enough. I think there's a real resting place there that we get out of that perfection mode and One realization I was struck with in Eve's story is that she was the first homeless woman Hmm. out of the garden Mm -hmm. now to go out and live outside the garden, her life outside the garden. The animals weren't tame. The roses had thorns. There were so many things. And that's kind of when we choose to go our own way and seek more and more of the world and what's trendy, these are the difficulties that we face. And so I really identified with Eve, and I'm trying to be a little more gracious to myself now and trying to step out of that perfection role. And then from Rachel, whose sister stole her fiancé, she died an early death, and she was bound in bitterness. She couldn't Mm. forgive, and she didn't realize that what she wanted both from her sister and from her husband, she already had. 
mm-hmm. the the love that they had. And unlike her sister, Leah, who in the end decided that she wanted to lavish all the love she had on Jacob because he truly did not love her. She lavished all that affection on God, and it made up the difference. And then that Leah ended up raising her sister's two children, mm-hmm. and what a gift that was. But mm-hmm. because of bitterness and hardness of her heart, she was a victim and so wounded that she couldn't get past that and couldn't forgive. And I don't want to be that. I I think forgiveness is the most powerful word in, in the human language, and I think it, it just sets you sets you free. It's not the other person. Mm-hmm. It's that you are freed. And and I loved the the story of those two sisters. And then we spoke a little bit before about being invisible and how Hagar was picked by Sarah to bear this child and then how she resented. She made a decision and then she resented Hagar and caused her to run out in the wilderness. And I was struck by the fact that God didn't speak directly to Sarah, but he did to Hagar when she was out in the wilderness. And Hagar called him Elroy, and he had never been addressed by that name before. And it means the God who sees me and knows my name. Mm. So she had heard of the God of Abraham, and the God of Abraham found her there in the wilderness and addressed her and gave her the promise for her son and the future. And and I love that. No matter where we are, feeling invisible or just not important in the world, Elroy sees us. He knows us, and he calls us by name. And I I identified with that story as well. And then perhaps my favorite was Bathsheba, mm. because truly she's been misrepresented in the world uh, so much. I had always heard that she was a temptress. Mm-hmm. And as I got into her story and then read about the prophet who came and and told David, you know, you have taken Uriah's wife, and for this you will pay, I see Bathsheba turning from, she could have been locked in the victim mode forever, mm-hmm. but she moved beyond the victimization to victory. Mm-hmm. And I think as women, we're victimized by many things. And I think it's easy for us to just close down, shut down, and escape in, into whatever's been, whatever wrong or harm has been done to us. But the real key is figuring out forgive and move on to victory because mm-hmm. that's where true living is and the joy of living. And I, I think I just about covered all those, all those women there. Okay, those are, I'm just sitting here just taking this all in because those are some amazing life lessons that truly when you look at it and you go deeper and um, like you were just mentioning Bathsheba and I know in your book um, on that chapter of Bathsheba, you did, I, I just remember going, I, I, I always heard her that way. When you see, um, you, you know, you, you, um, you verbalize her, you wrote about how she was so in love with her husband Uriah and how she felt yeah. like, you know, she was shaming and, and, Yet, you know, caught in that tension of, you know, here the king wants me, but I'm, 
you know, I'm in love with my, I don't want to dishonor my husband. And just those, I, you know, that's a perspective I'd never thought about. And mm. so this, even when you really start looking at these women as real women and real life situations and go deeper into their story, what you can learn is powerful. And you, you've said some amazing, a lot of things to take in and to soak in mm. about this. Well, um, I, uh, we only have a couple minutes, so tell us how we can, uh, find your book. We also uh, it's, um, have your information on our homepage at girlfriendit.com. But uh-huh. these women's stories are powerful. And, and what it is, each of us are challenged, even as we, as we walk away from this show, it's like each one of us has an amazing story. And what story yeah. is our own life telling? Yeah. And, and being aware that every day we're communicating, you know, verbally, non-verbally and telling a story. And, you know, what are people learning from our story? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I thank you for taking the time to dig deeper and to to teach us these things. And and that is, we do learn best from each other. But in the just the minute or so we have left, how can women find you? And what what closing thought do you want to leave with our listeners? Well, the the thought that really occurs to me is that these women are our girlfriends, mm-hmm. and you know, their stories are buried deep in the greatest story ever told, the Bible. And so I believe that as we open the book to read about these women of the Bible, they're going to come to life in us, and we're going to be able to tell our daughters and our granddaughters, and the story can live on this way. On my website, it's carolcook.us. That means girlfriends or us. So Mm. there's where you can find the book, carolcook.us. Okay. Awesome. Again, Carol, thank you just for taking the time just to do your research before. And I I love the visual. Like you said, you put a scarf around your neck and you got into character and like what this conversation would have been like. And we forget that these truly were real women um, with real life and, you know, and, and they they walked the, the ground like we do. They, they yes. verbalized, they interacted with people, and we have so much we can learn from them in our own stories. Like you said, we don't have to go to People Magazine or you know, right. watch a show, a reality, but these are pretty amazing reality shows in and of themselves that we can really learn from. And that every story is God restores and he redeems, and yeah. um, no story is ever lost or wasted. And I think that's right. a great message we've learned today from both you and from Roseanne and how God truly is pursuing each of us. So thank you again, Carol, for joining us. Thank you for listening to our show. Can't wait to talk again and uh, keep learning. And so find a girlfriend and tell your story. Have a great day and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriended, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the